Are you a high-performing real estate investor who's looking to further elevate your performance? If so, download our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits by joining our insider network at elevatepod.com. This guide created by yours truly has the power to put your transformation on autopilot and exponentially change your trajectory. Go get your free copy now at elevatepod.com. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Kyle Wilson, the founder of Jim Rohn International and Jim Rohn's former 18-year business partner, Oh, wow. I can just tell you right now, Kyle Wilson is not only connected and deeply entrenched in the personal development industry and space, but he's also an expert in marketing. And you're going to learn so much about how to market, how to farm, how to fish rather than hunt, and how to grow your business in substantial ways, but also how to design and set up your life as a result and so much more. I'm going to tell you today, this is going to be a domino for your further evolution. Today's episode is so good. It is so good. So let me just invite you to buckle up and enjoy this phenomenal conversation. Elevate podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal growth for high-performing real estate investors. I'm your host, Tyler Chester, and I am a professional real estate investor and high-performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar. And while we dive into this episode, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, to follow Elevate Podcasts on wherever it is that you listen or watch podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple, you name it. My goodness, there's so many different ones now. And uh, of course, if you watch us on YouTube, I want to encourage you to subscribe there immediately because we're going to continue to bring the heat. Also, give us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. In fact, I, me, myself and I, I read every single review. So I just am so grateful for all of those reviews. And in fact, I have an amazing review that I wanted to read to you that we received just a couple of days ago. It says, stop scrolling and subscribe now. This is TL289. Big shout out to TL289. She or he says, this is one of the highest level real estate and mindset podcasts out there. Tyler Chesser shows up in a huge way every single episode. And I just want to, first of all, just let you know how grateful I am for that amazing review. Thank you so much. It is certainly my intention to show up every single way every single day in a major way. So thank you for that. But if you have not left us a review yet, we'd love to know what is it that you're getting from this podcast uh, as we continue to bring massive value, as we continue to bring incredible people like Kyle Wilson. While I would love to dive in here, I want to introduce you to Kyle Wilson, who is the founder of Jim Rohn International, Your Success Store, and KyleWilson.com. He's worked with the top names in the personal development industry, including his 18-year business partner, friend and mentor, Jim Rohn, as well as Brian Tracy, Les Brown, Darren Hardy, Dennis Waitley, Mark Victor Hansen, and many others. Have you ever heard of any of them? Let me just tell you, that is like the Mount Rushmore of personal growth, of personal development. Kyle is the host of the Success Habits of Super Achievers podcast and recently published the book, 
with the same title with stories and lessons from longtime friend and iconic thought leaders, including Les Brown, Dennis Waitley, Darren Hardy, John Azaraf, Phil Collin of Def Leppard, Brian Tracy, Mark Victor Hansen, and many others. Kyle is the author of 52 Lessons I Learned from Jim Rohn and Other Legends I Promoted and partnered with Mark, Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield on Chicken Soup for the Entrepreneur's Soul. Soul. Kyle has filled huge seminar rooms, launched and published multiple personal development publications, and has produced and published over 100 plus hours of programs. Brian Tracy said Kyle made him millions of dollars. Darren Hardy said Kyle is his go-to person for any marketing solution. Les Brown said Kyle is a legend in the industry. And Tom Ziegler said in 20 years, Kyle is the only guy he and his dad worked with that every time under promise and over delivered. And Jim Rohn said, Kyle is his trusted partner and friend. Today, Kyle will be sharing his ideas on how to grow your business and brand. And not just that, but you're going to understand his story. You're going to understand more about how he met Jim Rohn and what he really learned from that legend that you may have never heard before. So I want to encourage you to buckle up and enjoy this outstanding, this phenomenal conversation with Kyle Wilson. Kyle Wilson, welcome to Elevate, my friend. How are you? Tyler, I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I really appreciate you taking time to be with me today. And man, I know that we're going to go in a lot of awesome directions today. So I've been looking forward to our conversation for a while. And, you know, I'd love to lean into this conversation and really have some fun with you. The first thing that I'd love to do is I'd love to ask you if you had to describe yourself in the way that your closest friends, your closest family members or people that know you best, how would you describe yourself in the way that they would? Oh, wow. What a question. You know, that's evolved, thank goodness, because uh, 30 years ago, they would have said I was very uh, type A aggressive, <laughs> uh, not very relational. I, I would hope they would say today, I'm very much about what matters, authentic. I've always been honest and tried to do the right things, but that industrious, ambitious part of me is a seminar promoter filling up huge rooms and, you know, all those type of activities. I was a bit type A, but I'm, I think I'm a better person today. So what was the, what was the event that caused you to evolve? Or was that a series of events? Um, maybe it was a, maybe it was a, over a decade plus or so, or what, what, what occurred? Well, I mean, it's a bit of a process. And so I think having mentors like Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy, so these incredible influences, uh, building a team, I built a huge team. So to make that work, uh, those are personal development challenges, right? You, to, to have a great culture, you have to get better first. It tests, you know, those part of the, those things that we think we know it all, uh, but, but to build a team with other people with different thoughts and skill sets and backgrounds, uh, makes you better. And of course, uh, having a spouse, raising kids, all those things refine our personality and refine our thinking and broaden our perspective. And I think that's a big part of it, getting around diverse thoughts, diverse people, opinions, being open to it. So it's definitely a carving out over time, uh, but definitely business and family, I think has been a big part of that evolution. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I really align with your story and what you're all about, just because you're open to that evolution, right? And I think everybody listening to Elevate, 
you know, really inherently are open to that evolution. And they've recognized that change is the only constant, right? Not only within the market dynamics or within the world or politics or economy or the dollar and money and all these different things, but about ourselves too, right? So looking back on your story and your journey, it's like, 30 years ago, you may have been type A hard driver and you're like, you know, win at all costs, but now you've, you've shifted to become about what matters and, and focusing on getting better first. That's almost become like your passion. Am I saying that correctly? Well, I, again, I think for things to work, uh, you know, doing the right thing, having the right philosophy, all is part of doing things that will help you become successful. I see a lot of people do things that they think will get them there faster that will actually slows the train down. So the, the better person you are, the better your motives are, uh, the better you can communicate with people, that's only going to help your success. So Jim Rome called it enlightened self-interest, right? The more philosophically, uh, we are sophisticated in our thoughts about what truly works, what brings happiness, what gets results. Yeah, I think that we, I, the people I hang around with have that win-win, let's make things better philosophy. Now, I know there are some people that are win-lose. Uh, they're sharks. They're they're like, you know, eat the big bass, eat little bass or would be up to our ass and bass. I heard Paul J. <laughs> Meyer say that. That's just not my philosophy. That's not how I want to live my life. And it doesn't mean the other doesn't work for them. If that makes them happy, that just doesn't make me happy. It seems like that's more of a short-term approach as well, right? Because if someone loses, then you're never going to do business with that person ever again. And of course, it's not all about just business transactions, but I'm with you on that philosophy. It's like, if if we can all win, then maybe there's a greater sense of abundance that we can all experience in a long-term transformational relationship together. So I think that's awesome. And I can't wait to dive into some of the relationships that you've been able to forge you know, over the years and just that network and that Rolodex that you've developed through, I think that philosophy, I believe like that's the the foundational philosophy probably that's allowed you to do that because you've been able to serve through your expertise and not, not only impact other people and very, you know, in, influential people, but you've been able to help them become more influential and impactful themselves, which is amazing. You know, give me a little sense of your upbringing and sort of your background and where you came from. And so we can really give some context. And so we can really understand the origination and, you know, where we've taken this full circle, but I'd love to love to get more sense of sort of your background and your upbringing. Yeah, sure. People always say, Hey, Kyle, how'd you get to work with Jim Rohn? You must've been like this, you know, class president or whatever. And it was really the opposite of that, Tyler. I grew up in a small town, never went to college, got in a lot of trouble. I was doing drugs, the whole thing, and definitely was not good at school. But at age 19, I had a significant emotional experience, really changed my life, started a little business, uh, grew that business uh, to about 10 employees. It was a service station of all things in Vernon, Texas. Age 26, I had this tap on the shoulder and it was pretty soft, but it was like, you need to, you need to get into a bigger environment. And uh, I was sharing this recently at the Real Estate Guys event in Belize, and it's the first time I'd ever said it. It was like a whisper. And I then got very emotional because I thought back, everything I'm experiencing in my life today wouldn't have happened if I didn't honor that whisper. So sometimes it's not a shout. Sometimes it's a whisper, but this whisper happened, uh, you know, at age 26, I sold my business, sold my house, moved to Dallas. And through 
a series of very serendipitous events. And everyone I've ever talked to, worked with, interviewed that have has done anything significant, they'll talk about the serendipity and how they met this one person or had this one opportunity. And for me, I got a job because I moved to Dallas and had no job, had no plan. Uh, I just honored the whisper. And I don't recommend that for people, by the way, <laughs> to, to make a big move and have no plan, but that was the case. And um, I ended up going to work for a seminar promoter. And he said, the key to, to making it work is you have to do about 100 cold calls a day. And the goal is to book a couple of presentations. You go in and speak at like at a car dealership or a real estate office, a, a pretty cold market and give value for sure. But at the end, sell tickets to a seminar. The thought of 100 phone calls a day, that, that was challenging, but the thought of speaking in front of an audience was terrifying, not even on my radar. That's something I wasn't, the few times even in school, I had really bad experiences. But again, I had this whisper and I felt I was in a bubble and I had to do it and I got through it. And within six months, I was his top guy really in the whole country. And the big uh, the big challenge was I wasn't making money. So here I'm the number one guy, but the model was so broken. So I started having this mantra, can I get 2000 people in a room? And I, I started every day thinking, how would I get 2000 people in the room? And I finally got a plan. I left that job. And I started traveling around the country, Chicago, Atlanta, Washington, D.C. And I would hire Brian Tracy and Ogmandino or Jim Rohn and, and Brian. And I started getting 2,000 plus people in a room, filling it up. I would do four a year. I had a phenomenal lifestyle where I was really enjoying the market. And that was that was life-changing. I did that for about three years. And then in 1993, Jim Rohn said him and his partner had split up. So just to pay him directly and he'd take it off the tab of his partner who owed him half a million dollars. And I said, well, Jim, you know, I think you're the best speaker in the world. I'm a pretty good promoter. I would love to work with you. Well, he wasn't looking for partners because his previous partnerships had not worked out well. So then I made him a really unique proposal. I said, listen, I want exclusivity and I'll pay you off the top. It'll be my company. I'll pay for everything. I'll pay for the team, the staff, the marketing, and I'll just pay you off the top. And we shook hands. And I think I was more excited about it than he was, but we had a handshake <laughs> and uh, we had a handshake for the next 10 years before we finally put it on paper onto one page, by the way. And uh, I did that with Dennis Waitley and many others. You know, Tyler, that first year, I took Jim from 20 speaking dates to 110. I quadrupled his fee. I started creating products. First product I moved 6 million of, it was a God download I had of a, a quote book. And it really is how I started creating this thing called the wheel. And the wheel was I drew a circle on a sheet of paper and I put Jim in the center as the hub and each spoke was a product or service Jim had. He had a book, he had an audio, he had a one day, he had a two day. And my big overwhelming question, and everyone I worked with to this day is kind of the same thing. It's number one, how do you get people on the wheel? And then how do you take them around the wheel to experience your different products and services? And people say, well, that's a funnel. It's really not. A funnel has an agenda. The wheel builds relationships. We met through the real estate guys. The real estate guys do the wheel. People hear their podcast. And occasionally they give them something to say yes to. And so they attend an event or attend something. And then that's where 
the relationship gets built. And so I started creating more spokes on the wheel and I have a whole criteria about, you know, what that would look like on building a spoke. What's the next spoke in that little booklet happened. And I'll just wrap it up by saying what I found out is after about a year is Jim was the gateway drug to personal development. I mean, people would hear Jim and it's like, Oh, wow. You know, uh, this guy, I, they got turned on to personal development. And so maybe they heard him at an Amway event and they quit Amway, but they, they now had personal development. And so I started your success store. And that's when I started bringing Brian Tracy, Les Brown, Mark Victor Hansen, Dennis Waitley, all the people that are part of my story. I started working with the 93, 94 on, you know, it all gets down to this thing, become valuable to valuable people. So just like you having a podcast you're able to serve two audiences. You get to serve your listener and you get to serve those that have something to say that would come on. And I think I was able to create that equation where talented people now had a way to speak in front of companies. So that that was all pre-internet. Then when the internet came, I built the first million plus list, email list and uh, over 300 intellectual properties. And then I ended up selling everything in late 2007. It was a personal decision. And then I came back out about six years ago, and that's a whole new story. But I wanted to lay that framework out because that, that's been my evolution in this business. And uh, that's how I got to work with some of these amazing people. Man, there, first of all, there's so much there. I mean, that's, a, that's an amazing story. And you think about, obviously, you know, the wheel is a beautiful thing in itself. And the reason why I think it's such a beautiful way that you describe that is it's about building relationships, right? Because the only right. way that you can serve more people through products or services or opportunities is, in my opinion, really through building that relationship. First of all, I think that's a beautiful way that you describe that. And I think it's a takeaway for every single listener is what relationship and what process and what wheel do you have in your business or in your life that you're developing relationships with people and strengthening relationships, right? Because that's what it's all about, man. This is a long-term game and hopefully life is a long-term game, right? And so I would be remiss if I didn't go back and ask you, Kyle, the whisper, what was that? Who was that? And, and you mentioned serendipity and all these different things, but what was that whisper? It's, tell me a little bit about that. I, uh, I had hit a wall in where I was living. I, I had a successful business, but I was working really hard. And uh, it was where I grew up, the same town I grew up in. And yeah, so it began with a little bit of discontent. And then it was like, I don't know. It was just like a whisper. You should move to Dallas. And I'll tell you this little Jim Rohn quote book. I'll have one in front of me, but I have one for Brian and I did one for Zig. Those were whispers. Those literally, yes, that's the, I moved 6 million of those. That was a God download. And I've had, I've had a handful of those. And I would say, first of all, Jim Rohn says, quoting the Bible, he says, if you search, you will find, but you, you have to go searching you know, rarely does a good idea interrupt you. So I got to say, I was searching. I was, you know, there was a level of discontent. There was a level of questioning, looking, being open. And so I think that's part of most whispers is you're in that space of, you know, I talk about plan, do, review. Well, you know, if you're a, a sports organization, if you're in the middle of the season, you have a playbook, you have a coach, you have players, you don't want to question a lot. But at the end of the year, you know, you have an off season and everything's up for evaluation. And I was in that space of 
everything was open to evaluation. And I just, I don't want to try and define what that is. It, it's different for different people, you know, God, what, whatever that is. I have my own beliefs, but I don't uh, proselytize those. I just say, I, I've definitely felt a divine tap on the shoulder. Yeah. Well, that's a, that could be a wake up call for so many of the listeners, right? It's, it's what, what wake up call and what divine tap on the shoulder are you getting right now? And there's a quote by, I think it was Theodore Roosevelt. He said, all progress starts with discontent. And I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but I think it is very insightful. And to say, you know, one of the things that we talk about so frequently on this podcast is problems are gifts, right? right. Challenges can be opportunities. And so looking at that discontent and saying, all right, well, how can this be my divine whisper? And now I can move in that direction of where's my heart leading me? Because it's almost like you just followed your nose, right? And then, and then you found yourself making cold calls for folks, you know, and, and building, you know, audiences for seminars. And obviously there was some challenge in that. And there was a lot of growth that, that occurred. And then you started to meet these people, right? Because you talk a little bit about some of the mechanics there from going to, I don't know how I'm going to do this, to then filling rooms with thousands of people and meeting some of these powerful influencers. No, it's a great point. In other words, it wasn't A to B, it wasn't instant success. And it was this reoccurring discontent. It's like, okay, I'm going to move. I, then I got, had this new job. It's challenging. I got there, but then the model was broken. So again, you hit a wall. That wall then forced me to say, was all this for nothing? I'm the top guy and I'm, I'm losing money, not making money. That, so, and there's a period I would, you know, some of these things took a year, some took months, you know, we want instant answers. And I think a big part, there's multiple little pieces, but one is you got to show up. You just got to keep showing up because you never know what conversation, what person, what opportunity, what insights going to be there. So you got to show up. Another thing is it's a, it's a biblical truth and it's, be faithful in whatever you're doing. So it was the doing really well, you know, try, trying to do the best I could uh, at whatever place I was at that kept leading to that next promotion, if you will. And so these are all just principles. And of course, when I met Jim Rohn, he gave me a whole new set of insights and principles that forever changed my life. You know, there were three or four that were just foundational. And so it's all a combination. And I think, again, the younger you are, the more you think there's a there and the older you get, you realize there is no there. It's now. Everything's about now because mm -hmm. as you begin the podcast with change and difficulties, uh, I had Tom Ziegler on uh, for inner circle call and that's Zig's son right after COVID happened. And, you know, it's like April, March or April last year. And he said, the biggest, he said, the quicker people can get over how they think it should be or how it was quicker, they can move into how it is or how it's going to be. And, uh, I still have people tell me, you know, they want live events to be like it used to be. Well, that's not going to happen or traveled. Now we might get close, but there's going to be all kinds of variations for all kinds of reasons, uh, I could get into, but no, I think that's important. And, and I, it, it makes me think of one of Jim Rohn's quotes, which was, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. 
right? And it's almost, it's not about the, I wish the reality was different. It's about how can I grow as a result of reality and how can I fit into this environment? So you mentioned some of the foundational things that you learned from Jim and obviously, you know, collaborating together, being partners and lifting each other up, but maybe you could speak to some of those foundational learnings that Jim opened your mind to and your insight to so that you could really step further into your own growth. No, that'd be great. Yeah. So uh, there's so many, but if I got it down to two or three, uh, one was Jim said, success is predictable. That was a new concept because, and again, I, th- I see so many people there. If you're a football person, you know what throwing a Hail Mary means, or, you know, they're trying to win the lottery. They're trying to get, you know, greed is basically wanting something for nothing. You know, it's the, it's the short-term fix. And Jim said, success is predictable. If you're here and you want to get here, you can get there by doing X, you know, ABC steps. And he talked a lot about having a garden, being a farmer, you plant the seed. If you plant a seed at the right time, at the right place, and you take good care of it, chances are odds are in your favor. You're going to get a harvest. Now, if you reinvest the seed over time, it's going to keep compounding. And, um, you know, that's one of my fundamental marketing principles is marketing's a combination of tactics, which change with technology. So I could name 50 tactics and they're constantly changing, evolving. I could name a dozen principles that are timeless that have never changed. They, they haven't changed today. They were the same in 1989 when I got in this business as they are today. And so principles, the beauty of principles is they compound. So when you do things that compound, it's almost guaranteed to have a harvest. And, but that's, it's going to take a little time. You know, you're not going to plant a vineyard and have wine in 30 days. It's going to take five years. So Jim was a principle-based philosophical teacher, not a tactical teacher. It takes both tactics and principles, but you want to make sure principles are the driving force. So I think success is predictable was huge. Um, I think one of the big, big ones was he said, if you want to be successful, bring value to the marketplace. If you want to be wealthy, become valuable to valuable people. And I, I really caught that pass. I think Tyler, that it's not about networking. It's about bringing value. And so I put all my focus on how can I bring value? If I gave a presentation, how can I give value? If I put on an event, how can I put on the best event and bring value? Whatever it was, bring value. And if you lead with value, good things will happen. And so that was a big, huge piece because so many people are transactional. And once the transaction happens, you know, check that box versus the opposite of bringing value and then having things that compound and reoccur. And I'll throw one more in. Um, Jim Rohn said, be a student, not a follower. He said, take advice, but not orders. Make sure everything you do is the product of your own conclusion. Mm. And that was powerful because there were some things that were a little bit off limits to me that I, I'm not sure, you know, what, what is this book, Think and Grow Rich? It was, you know, it was outside my comfort zone. But, you know, with Jim's teaching, I could take it all in and take what I want and let go of what doesn't fit me. I don't, I could be a student of a lot of people, but realize I don't have to join their cult, you know, or their, <laughs> or their, uh, I don't have to 
go, well, I can pull what works for me. And that's the best advice I give people today is take what works for you and be okay uh, not to drink all the Kool-Aid, you know, find out what works for you and then create your own philosophy, create your own. And a lot of people would dis- disagree with that. And I, I'm t- totally cool with that too, but that really changed my life. It allowed me to go places I'd never gone before with my learning curve. And it also allowed me to step away from things that weren't serving me well. And, you know, I really align with that because I I know what personal growth and personal development has done for my life. I know what it's done for so many of our listeners here, so many of the people that I really care about. It's like when you open yourself and you have an open mind, you know, it's amazing the paradigms that you can shift and the things that can occur in your life and the people that can show up, the opportunities that can show up, which is why I've become so passionate about personal growth. Mm -hmm. But going back to the first two learnings that you just shared in terms of some of the foundational learnings that you, you, you learned from Jim Rohn and spending time with them. You know, you mentioned principles, right? Principle-based marketing and just really being a principle-based individual, but then also bringing value. And what I've what I've identified with you and what many have identified with you is that you bring value through your expertise of marketing. And really, you've identified that your marketing approach is principle-based marketing, right? So maybe you could talk a little bit about that and why that's become such a passion of yours and and also where you see that evolving, right? We were talking about change and we we're talking about tactics and how, of course, the tactics continue to evolve, but the principles remain the same. So maybe we could talk about some of those tactics. So anyway, I know that's a long-winded <laughs> question there, but maybe you could talk a little bit about that. What really allowed me to articulate that uh, was 1999. And here comes this thing called the internet. I had a successful business. Everyone else had success. You know, Zig and Brian Tracy and everyone was watching this come in. And I was wanting to get involved. And so I'm, I'm everyone gravitated towards the geek guys, technology guys to help them get on the internet. And so everyone's person was a, a tech person that knew how to sell. And then I would look at what they're doing. I'm like, this is not marketing. Like everything they're doing is backwards of how I would, you know, again, the wheel. So they're selling. I'm just, I just want to get people on my list. I want to create a ability to have people build a relationship. And I heard Jay Conrad Levingston say, marketing is marketing is marketing. The same principles that applied to classified ads in the 30s or the radio in the 40s or TV in the 50s, you know, right through the thing of infomercials. And this is before the internet when I heard him say this. And I thought, you know, that's it. Marketing's marketing. So I'm going to get my technology guy to do the tactics, but I'm going to be the marketer. And my marketing is principle-based, which means the most important things to me are have a good product. Like, again, people, if you don't have a good product, it's not going to compound. So number one, <laughs> the smartest thing you can do is have great products that people want to refer. People are happy. That's what Apple's done, right? Some of the biggest brands begins with a great product. Have great service. You know, how, how many people have companies have spent hundreds of millions of dollars and were so dissatisfied with their service and no one would dare recommend them. That's dumb marketing, you know, have great service, be the best at service. And the companies that have become great at that, and I would say Amazon and Nordstrom's and all those different companies, they have a compounding effect. And I think another principle for me is, and this is just, I'm a strategic marketer, like my 
biggest skill set is is being strategic and being able to not do cookie cutters and really think through all the different dynamics. So I think for me, marketing, I want to be strategic. I want to find the one thing that's going to knock down all the dominoes. Too many people are doing too many things. And most of those things are tactics. We don't need more tactics. We need less tactics and more the one thing that could literally knock down all the dominoes for someone's business. Uh, out of all the things I did with Jim, the first thing I did was that quote book because that's what his secret sauce was. And at the end of the day, it was a tool to empower his advocates and they loved Jim to go out and share the message. So they would buy 10, a hundred, a thousand. I had one guy buy a hundred thousand, a big company. Wow. And they now became my marketing tool. Well, that was, that was all intentional. That came down by, and I have these five criteria to figure out what a spoke is. And I'm happy to share it now if you want. That'd be great. Or, you know, number one, when you're thinking about a spoke, is it part of your core business? You know, I'm, I'm generalizing, but 99 times out of a hundred, I'm not gonna do something that's a one-off. If it's not part of my core business, I'm giving out energy, effort, time to something that's not going to compound. Uh, number two, is it focused on the right avatar? You know, I've worked a lot with Phil Collin at Def Leppard. He's done masterminds at my house. I've done them at his house. They're huge, 100 million albums. We've been backstage, but that's not really my avatar. So I don't build on that. It's a cool thing we have. And he's been on my podcast and in my books, and he's amazing. But that's, you know, my avatar is Jim Rohn fans, Darren Hardy fans who I coached, Robin Sharma who I coached. So I'm always focused on my avatar. Number three, what's your secret sauce? Don't be a, don't copy other people. Find out what really makes you unique and make sure your products and services incorporate what makes you special. And again, that was the Jim Rohn quote book. That's, he really was world-class as a wordsmith, you know, taking the complicated, making it simple, saying it funny, and he was prolific. So I really built upon that secret sauce. Uh, number four, is it strategic? Is it going to knock down the dominoes, as I mentioned? Number five, does it fit your goals? Uh, because I always say, if, if everything you're doing right now worked out perfectly, would you land where you want to land? Is that, gonna, is that the place you want to be? So you want to make sure... You're not building a, a job for yourself that you don't really want. So when I'm looking at a spoke, is that taking me where I really want to go? So all things being even, I use those five criteria to, to really judge. I am a big believer in less is more. Here, here's, a, here's a good one-liner too. If you'll become great at one thing, that'll open the door for everything else. Mm. Too many people are going wide in too many things instead of vertical in one thing, becoming really awesome. Then that opening the door. And that's what happened for me. I became great as a seminar promoter, which then opened the door to creating products and building lists and becoming a publisher and selling millions of books. So that's strategic, right? That's, that's part of that that criteria five, what, you know, what's the one thing that's going to knock down the dominoes? I was just going to say, I think it's such a critical and important topic to really be talking about, especially for folks who are high performing real estate investors, because your network is really the, the future success of your business, right? You've got to have a strong network. Of course, it's a team business, but also in terms of future opportunities, in terms of developing and strengthening 
referral opportunities, right? This is, you know, it's not about, Hey, a transaction, it's about transformation together. And as you continue along this path in a relationship and you strengthen this, that's what gives you future opportunities. And really what you're talking about here is not only creating awareness of who you are and what your company does, and obviously delivering and, you know, exceeding expectations, but it's about fostering and furthering that relationship. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, for sure. And again, I think my observation is we are drowned with with tactics because there's so many social media platforms or so many opportunities. One thing I always said was everything works. I mean, once you can figure out everything works, you know, putting as a seminar promoter back in the day, putting business cards on windshields works. It actually <laughs> did for me. It just doesn't work very often, right? And so you eventually learn if I'm going to get 2000 people in the room, I got to throw out the 50 ways to fill up a room and get it down to three and mm. the three that work the most, that's where I'm going to put all my effort. And it's hard because we have so many people selling us on how you have to have this, that, the other. And I'm kind of the opposite. I tell people you need a lot less and it's not expensive. If you do it the right way, I'm a big believer in organic, you know, let things, the more you can let something evolve organically, I have a lot of those type of philosophies. Uh, here's one, you know, it's like I have a lot, all these different playbooks from my past 30 years. So just because I can go do something, I'm not going to go do it if I don't have the right person to do it with. You know, once I find the right person, whether it's with books or events, or even what I do with my websites, I'm okay to, to sit on the sideline till I get the right person because I know how I am, I'm going to want to jam with them and we're going to go build something, which means it's got to be scalable. It's got to be synergistic. And that's all principle-based for me versus tactically getting something that's a one-off and then I'm starting over again. So I don't put bodies in spots. I don't use uh, tactics just to fill spots. I really have to find the right person that I can then synergistically go build something with. That's a principle. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I want to want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. You know, principles, you just shared one with us, right? It's pruning, right? It's not adding, but it's removing. 
And of course, you know, there are, are tactics that work in certain time periods. And you think about social media and such, you think about technology. And of course, these are points of leverage for us to spread our message. But right. if you're using everything, you may not be using anything, right? And right. So thinking about your story and aligning that, and maybe folks can align sort of your expertise with how they're applying their own principles and tactics in marketing to grow their business. When you think of filling a room, right? You talked about 50, you could do 50 things. There's probably 50 things that work, but there's three that are phenomenal. So could you go into a little bit of detail there in terms of what are those top three tactics? <laughs> sure, sure. I, I want to go back and, and say one thing based on what you just said right before that. It gets down to what you're great at. So if you're great at social media, run hard into social media. Mm. If you're not great at social media, I still recommend social media strongly, like strongly. But I tend to like organic more than fake because social media is social. And so to whatever degree you're willing to get in there, I always ask people, where do you live? So I'm going to ask you, Tyler, where do you live? Louisville, Kentucky, my friend. So you're going to give everyone your address and we're all going to show up and have a party? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, I, I love Louis, love Louisville, by the way. I've been to the Kentucky Derby a few times. Awesome. Uh, we'll have to have you again. Yeah. Uh, no, you live on your website. You live on Facebook. You live on Instagram. You live on Twitter. You live on LinkedIn, YouTube. And people can find you 24-7. And I'm a big believer. Have a great website have a great social presence. I'm not a big believer though in having people manufacturing all your social media. So I'd rather have three social hubs and I recommend people do what is most alignment for them. I know in the real estate investor space, LinkedIn is a big one, right? I love Instagram. And the reason I love Instagram is because I have a lot of social proof. So everything's built around what your strengths are. So my strength is I can put up Les Brown, Brian Tracy, Darren Hardy, Phil Collin, and these aren't photo ops. These are 30 year relationships, you know, on the podcast, in the books. So that's my strength. So Instagram allows you to tell a story. You can go to someone's profile and just scroll down and there it is. So that is where I want to put most of my effort. I think hunting is more for LinkedIn, but I think they're, you know, that that's very viable for other, you know, for some people. But here's the thing, uh, why I like social media is it's not just you can find anyone, but more importantly, they can find you. And people find me all the time. Thank goodness they can. And so where we live, Today, 24-7, you know, people talk about doing business while you sleep, but they don't have a they don't have a presence on their website. They don't have a presence on social media. So it's the most underutilized things. But then they go to the other extreme of hiring all these teams and it becomes very inorganic, becomes very inauthentic. Here's the biggest thing I gotta say on that now that I'm thinking about it. They're they're tactically driven versus principally driven. So they have their they're tech, they're technical people doing their actually marketing activities. So I say everyone needs to be the head of their own marketing company. You don't relegate your marketing. Everyone, like even a Darren Hardy, John Assaraf, and you might not know those names, they still oversee their marketing. They have people doing the sausage making. Uh, Darren Hardy, um, you know, recently we were talking and he said, I got three jobs. I create content, I deliver content, and I'm over marketing. A lot of people want to sub out the marketing. I'm just saying, who knows your business better than you? Who knows your client better than you? Who knows your, what you're wanting to do better than you? So you have to 
build that team, but you're still the, the head honcho. You're still the architect of that. That's where you hire the technology, but you're still the marketer. So thanks for letting me share that because that I think that's important, right? That's where Man. people are getting faked out. Well, this is world-class. I mean, this is so important. And obviously, thank you for sharing your expertise. And there's principles that you just shared that I'll just re-highlight just very, sure. very quickly. You know, tell a story, be authentic, be yourself. Don't outsource that because, you know, social media, your website, and all of the online presence, which is where you live, as you described, is really just it's a leverage point so that you can build true deep relationships with people. Right. right. And it's, a, it's allowing you to be omnipresent instead of, you know, just the one-to-one thing you can build relationships at, at many times. Right. And people can find you and you have the opportunity to go deeper with them. So I just think there's so much value in that. And, and also the social proof thing. I mean, there's a lot of psychology involved. I mean, <laughs> is there anything that you'd like to add to that? Well, uh, yeah, I'll just play off that because another principle of mine is I fish instead of hunt. A lot of people are out hunting. So what's fishing? Fishing means uh, I put out things to attract the people I want to attract. And it doesn't matter to me who, like I'm never caught up in who. I'm never hurt, disappointed, upset. If you put out the right stuff at the right place to attract the right customer you want, you're going to attract different people at different times. I've had some people that follow me for five years and then sign up for something before the timing wasn't right. You know, maybe they were going through some things, maybe they, so for real estate investors, uh, you know, you put a deal out, odds are it's going to not be the right time for the person that eventually will do business. So you need to consistently Mm. just keep putting out the right stuff And over time, the right person will see it. So that happens to me all the time on social media. And I am a big believer in building a list because I want the opportunity to build a relationship with people. And I can't do it if they're not on my list. So I use social media to give value, but occasionally I give them something to to raise their hand and say yes to, whether it's a, a interview, whether it's a book, whether it's my notes to something. So that's fishing. I'm not trying to... You'll never see me DM someone. I have smarter, better ways to do it. I just put it on my feed and those that are interested will DM me if you do it the right way. And they do it a hundred times a week. I get people that respond to my stuff. So some people will have you go out and hunt and you're DMing people, which to me is a tactic I'm not a fan of, but I'm not judging that. I'm just saying that's not how I do things. But if I put out the right stuff to the right audience and it hits them just right to say, hey, I want that book. I want that interview with Les Brown. Send, send me the 10 scrolls by Og, who used to work with. And they, they message me and I say, hey, what's your email? I'll send it to you. And <clears throat> I have it all just where I can type in four letters and it'll, it's a shortcut. And it just does the whole thing. Recent book with so-and-so, 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 so-and-so. If you want it, let me know. And then I send them a really well done email. I'm not selling. I'm giving them so much value. They're blown away. And then I send them to a page that has even more value interviews. It's all just good stuff, which goes back to the social proof. I'm building when they see the the things I'm giving them, who's involved. They're like, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. And yet I've still not tried to sell them. So I'm building a relationship. And then occasionally talking to my list, I will say I have an event coming up or I have this coming up, or we're doing a book. If you're interested, let me know. So this is really some of the core stuff I, I talk about. 
Tyler, is fishing versus hunting, mm -hmm. which again is a strong principle for me. And that's attracting versus pursuing. It takes time and you have to just realize some people they're watching and they never tell you. And then when they sign up, they're like, oh, I'm the biggest fan, been following you for five years. I just didn't think I could afford you or my life wasn't right or I was already involved in something else or I had a time issue or I was going through a divorce or going through bankruptcy, whatever it is, right? Yeah, that's good. And and I think of email marketing versus social media and like social media is almost like you're renting, you know, an audience, but email marketing is, it's almost, you know, it's it's your audience, right? You you have more control over that. So let's talk about that. Well, think, well it's the only thing you own, right? right? You don't own your podcast list. You don't own right. Facebook. Uh, I got a couple of quick stories on that. It's sure. just important because I think people are oblivious to what you just said. Tom Ziegler, I mentioned it before, you know, Ziegler, I think their Facebook page had 5 million followers and he would do a post and get 200,000 likes. And I'm talking five years ago and, or six. And I'd say, Tom, do you, do you occasionally ever put something out there to get people on your email list? He goes, no, no, I don't want to sell. And I'm like, I'm not trying to sell. I'm just saying, you know, you saw what happened with MySpace, and, you know, <laughs> right. it's, it's like, I would try and have a filter to get some of those 5 million onto an email list that you actually do own and can build a relationship with instead of the algorithms only showing it to a certain amount of people. Well, what happened was that 5 million people, the 200,000 likes went to 100,000, went to 50,000, went to 20,000, went to 10,000. Now it's about 200 likes because Gosh. Facebook's algorithms have continued to say, even though you have 5 million followers, we're going to make you pay to talk to them. Right. Now, who owns Instagram? Facebook. Facebook. You know, who's watching what Facebook has done to make profits? Everyone else. So you don't own it at all. And so I, I assume you probably do that on your podcast occasionally. I do it on every podcast episode I do, is I try and have something unique that's uh, a free gift. Maybe it's a drawing. I've even done Phil Collins sign guitars. That's pretty cool. Yeah, people know. And he's just such an awesome guy. He would do it uh, and sign books. But just cool ways to get your people to raise their hand and say, Tyler, I'd love that. Well, what's your email? Now they're on your email list. And that's not manipulative. Sure. That's that's actually, again, fishing and bringing value to build a relationship. Yeah. And I see it the exact same way. It's just about continuing to add value, add value, because nobody's going to stay on the list if it's spam, right? You know, and, and I, I can tell you how many lists I unsubscribe to on a weekly basis. So I can appreciate, you know, how valuable everyone's attention is. And so thinking right. about how important this is in a real estate context, in addition to business context in general, building a list, building a database and nurturing, right? Farming, growing, fishing, but also giving, right? Being willing right. to give more than you receive. So you, you mentioned a, a few tactics there in terms of building a million, you know, individual database. You mentioned obviously giveaways and obviously being valuable, continuing to, to proceed and give value. Is there anything else that you would point to that's been really important for you as you've continued to build lists uh, across your businesses? Well, you know, I built the million plus list that I sold in late 2007. So I retired for seven years. So I built it when it was much, 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 much easier. I was an early adapter. I had a lot of resources. I had multiple publications, messages from the masters, quotes from the masters, uh, Jim Rohn, Dennis Waitley, Slide Edge Newsletter. I sold that. So when I came back out in 2014, a couple of things. I never set a goal to try and 
recreate what I did before. That was a different time. What I, you know, my team was, that's the hardest part to build is rebuild that team. Jim Rome passed away in 2009. And so I just came out saying, I, I'm going to do what I want to do. So I started a mastermind and I've just kind of done things the way I want to do them, build the business and life I want to build. So I've not aggressively, I've not thrown money at building an email list. Now I've built one that's decently sized and it's simply by, you know, if you're on a podcast, if you're speaking at an event, if I attend an event and people come up and we meet, you know, I'll say, listen, I got whatever it is, I think that they're interested in 52 lessons, I'll give them, you know, when I look at how I built my list, it is over about eight different ways, you know, social media is one, attending events, meeting people, things like that. So I think in today's world, if I had a, if I was aggressive to build a list, I think one of the best ways is have a really good product. And, you know, the thing about Facebook ads is you can find anyone. So I can find who wrote the book. So a lot of people listening to this, whether it's rich dad, poor dad, you can buy the list. You can buy from Facebook the ability to talk to a specific demographic. And I think giving something of value, but like the most efficient way to build a list without it costing you money is have a product you're selling and the funnel, I don't like that word, but the, the, the lead into the product is to give away something free where you get the email. So I do that. I, I give away a book to get the email and then I sell them a course I have that's not that expensive. And that's a great way for me to build my email list, build my Instagram list. So there's all kinds of tactics to do it. I think you just have to think through anytime you have a product, an event, if you're doing an event, that's a way to build a list because you're going to maybe joint venture with some of the speakers and they're going to promote it to their list. So there's lots of different ways. So I always say, Tyler, marketing simply connecting the dots between your products and services and your prospect and customer. And you start looking at what works for your competition, what works for you. And from there, you just start seeing the available tactics and connect those dots. So I've done it through events. I've done it through selling products, done it through showing up on podcasts, speaking of, of engagements with audiences that have my avatar. That's so good. And it reminds me of Tony Robbins says this all the time, who Jim Rohn was his mentor. He says that success leaves clues, right? So you right. can observe and you can reverse engineer and integrate what works for others for yourself. And man, this is right. a masterclass in marketing. This is so <laughs> powerful. So if anybody's listening and they want to rewind and re-listen to this, I'm telling you, you should right now, because there's so much that you can go ahead and apply to your business immediately. But Kyle, I want to, I want to shift gears just a little bit. I want to talk sure. about habits because you and many others wrote an amazing book, Success Habits of Super Achievers, which is right behind your shoulder there. <laughs> uh, if anybody's watching on YouTube, you can see that and you'll, you'll be able to check out that book because we'll put a link in the show notes as to how you can get that book. But you've become obviously passionate, not only about personal growth, but obviously in understanding how important habits are in our lives and, and in the trajectory of our life. So if you had to point to maybe three of the top most misunderstood habits, and this is a little bit of a unique way on this, you know, a little bit of a unique way to approach habits is think about what are some of the most misunderstood habits or maybe unapplied, if, if that's even a word, habits uh, for super achievers that you've observed? Well, you know, there's everyone's unique, everyone's different. So I, I don't, 
know if I'm going to quite answer it that way. I would just say some of the counterintuitive habits for myself are, I, I block out a lot of time in the morning just for myself, but that's all by design. I've built a life where the first two hours are really just whatever I want that space to be. And here's something else. And this is just, I've been able to do this. You know, I've uh, not everyone can, if you're a doctor, you can't pull this off, right? If you, uh, but you know, I don't do a phone call before one o'clock. So to me, everything up until one is my time to work on my stuff. And then I really shift it, you know, from one on I'm serving now my, my clients serving my audience. I'm fully available, whatever that looks like, but up until one, that's my time. So it's easy to, but that, that, that in a way is a habit, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I've kept a journal for 25 years. That's something Jim Rohn teaches and it's powerful on so many levels, but j- journals are unique to, uh, to the individuals. Uh, but I think my biggest habit is having a spiritual, a need to have a spiritual connection, spiritual life. I, I do believe um uh, our intentions are powerful and it's crazy. The things I have, I don't want to say manifest it, but it's almost like you set an intention and it happens and it's scary. Now it doesn't happen every time. And so that's what keeps it in check. And, uh, and, and then you can't get too caught up in that. That's part of the, the mystery of it all. And sometimes years later, it, it comes back. You had mentioned earlier about challenges easier to talk about them than to go through them. Right. And no, we never, I can't think of ever welcoming a challenge, but every big, uh, big thing for me came out of a difficulty or challenge, but it took a couple of years. So sometimes that thing we want that we're trying to have an intention and focus on that doesn't happen. It's usually a timing thing, but on the other hand, we get these little taps on the shoulder if we're listening, that will say, what if I could, let's just say in your case, interview ABC person, right? Or have this happen. And then all of a sudden, two months later, it's happening. And those are special. But I have found the habit of giving time for that and space for that, which is counterintuitive to do, 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 which again, doing a lot of stuff is tactical blocking out time to think. You probably know who Ken McElroy is, right? Oh, yeah. The first time I really connected, Ken and I spent a day together. This is several years ago. And I said, so tell me about your day. Tell me about your week. He said, I spend 25 hours a week thinking. He said, I literally, I'm at the office and I block out three hours just to think. Wow. Wow's right. You know, there's a (laughs) guy with a billion dollar portfolio. And so everyone's different. I mean, some people live 16 hours, you know, Elon Musk, Mark Cuban. I mean, right. they, they're, and that's, I think we're all wired differently too. Sure. I don't think there is a right or wrong answer. And that's the thing you have to figure out what makes you happy, what you're building. And so I don't judge anyone else's things, but that's one of my habits. That's why I don't want to try and lump everyone else's experience because mm. it's so 
varied, but I can tell you my experience. Yeah, no, that's such a great answer. And I, I really appreciate that. I, there's so much to really unpack there, but if I were to go back, you were talking about journaling for 25 years. I think it's a unique opportunity for me to really dig into that a little bit. I mean, I'm sure you've had spiritual connection through that experience. You've seen compounding growth. It's also helped you clarify your thinking. How, what does journaling really look like for you now? If you were to go into any detail there? Yeah. I mean, uh, so just starting at the top, I, I set a goal to, at the end of the year, put that journal for that year into my library. So if you look at my library, it's got a journal. Now I miss some years and sure. I miss some months. Sometimes I go months and I don't journal. That's not currently, but that's happened in the past. You know, the last 10 years I've had, because I'm not religious about it. It's just a habit because Jim Rohn talked about it. Mm -hmm. You know, Jim would say there's three things to leave to the next generation. Uh, you know, your, your, your library, your uh, journals and your photographs, mm. not your furniture, but your, you know, <laughs> and, and he would make a joke about it and again. Um, but I don't think my journals are for the next generation because I'm very private in them. I really do work out stuff in them and I try and incorporate. It's tricky, right? We have notes, we have Evernote, we have all these different things we collect stuff on. It was a little too much to put all my notes in it because I love the fact on a computer, I can use it as a word doc and move it around and turn it into a blog. But if I'm uh, if I'm with someone that's uh, a mentor to me or they're giving me words of wisdom, I'll put it in a journal. But it's hard because I also like putting it in my phone, too. Mm. So it's I'm not religious about it, Tyler, but I it does serve its purpose. It's just not it's not as clean cut as I would like it to be. No, that's awesome. And you're leaving open inspiration for the listener, right? Because we can all apply this in our own capacity. We also don't have to be so rigid, right? It's not no. just one rule that now you follow for 25 years. It's about the practice. It's about the principle. So, I mean, we keep going back to that. But Kyle, this is such a fun, phenomenal conversation. There's so much value in this. Really appreciate you. I want to transition into our rapid fire section. Okay. We call it the rare air questionnaire. Okay. It's all about being uncommon. It's about being principled, right? It's about not being rigid, but being open to evolution as we began this conversation, which has been so much fun. If you had to, I'd love to ask you a few questions here. Sure. And obviously being an author yourself, being a joint venture book publisher and promoter, and man, you've sold millions of books. If you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why? Yeah. So the last few years, okay. Uh, because thinking grow rich and the magic of thinking big did have a massive influence on me. Uh, a book I'm really enjoying now is by a friend of mine. Who's one of the best leaders I know. His name's Kevin Eastman. It's why the best are the best. And it's 25 words of leaders and Kevin's won an NBA championship and was hall of fame coach. And he is, uh, he's got so much wisdom in what he shares. So that book's really rich. Uh, I'm going to go to the other extreme of a book called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, which really helped me when uh, I was having some relational conflicts with family members. And I thought, I'm, I'm happy. I'm great. They're the ones that, that are going through challenges. How can I help them? And I read that book and I realized maybe, maybe I am more part of, you know, maybe there's areas I'm not seeing. And it really opened up a lot of blind spots for me 
to go work on myself and have my own self-discovery. So that book's been really powerful. And I always have five or six books at any one time I'm reading. Yeah, that's that's probably a weakness of mine of not just feeling like I got to read the book because I can very quickly say, if it's not serving me well, I'm not going to read it. And I'll jump mm. onto Audible or I'll jump onto a podcast. Uh, or here's another challenge I have, uh, Tyler, see if this is, if you're, if this is relatable, the, the problem is if it's, if it's inspiring you, it gets me thinking. And so mm -hmm. I have to stop. And then that takes me in my own world for the next hour of how it applies to me. So I'm not the best reader of books. I'm more of the, it's the jump start for me to run with my own creativity or ideas. And again, all of us are different, right? Everybody who relates to a certain book will maybe read it in a different capacity. They'll have yeah. a different perspective and it'll impact you in a different way, right? And, right? and the way that you relate to that learning or that inspiration is different for all of us. So that's right. a great reminder in itself. But also thank you for the reminder too about, hey, you know, I've been, you just shared about, hey, I was challenged to recognize that maybe I had some growth that needed to occur in these relationships as an example. So you're setting a great example that, you know what, you don't have every answer, right? You're not no. perfect and you're no. continuing to evolve. So I just, I think that's awesome. And man, if you had to point to the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis, what would that be and why? Uh, two things. I think it definitely is that time alone uh, to recalibrate, uh, to get in touch with, you know, whether it's spiritual side, whether it's my own side, you know, my own thoughts. So that's a big one, but I also do have go-to mentors in my life and they tend to be for different areas of my life. And they're more confidants than teachers. They do teach. Well, some are more teachers. I, you know, I, I discovered something, Tyler, uh, a long time ago is an entrepreneur and I am like pure entrepreneur, which is not good. If, if you're married to me, uh, <laughs> I need someone to talk to. And I, I learned that I need someone to unpack things too. So I don't unpack it to my staff. I don't unpack it. I, I learned, I need an entrepreneur that gets me and they're not always trying to teach me until I get it out. Mm -hmm. And being able to unpack it and then have someone with wisdom. So I tend to have those. And so that, that's probably a, a huge go-to for me. That's People awesome. I can unpack things too. Yeah, no, that's great. And sometimes it's like when you talk things through, it gets more clear what the right. issue really is. Because I'm like you, like if I share with my wife, hey, here are some things I've got going on and I, I just need help thinking through this. Can you, am I asking the right questions? Am I saying <laughs> the right things? It's like, there's a lot of power in that space. And uh, man, that's good. If you had a point to the biggest way that you elevate others around you, what would that be and why? I've had to learn this, uh, to listen. And I think in the in the past, I, I was too much uh, a know-it-all and it's just the truth. Again, born out of conflict, born out of challenges, born out of people telling you things you don't want to hear. I've had to learn to really listen, not defend, because the minute you defend, then not just invalidating them, but they get frustrated. And so some of it's just been like, you think it's crazy talk. You know, someone's trying to tell you something. It's like, you couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> but the more I've learned to listen, like really listen, put myself in someone else's shoes, be open to it, not defend. It's such a powerful thing. So I think whether that's a close relationship or just in general, seeing people, listening to people, 
validating people. When you have influence and you can listen and validate someone, that could be an empowering moment for them. And so I think, I think that's some of the best ways I'm able to, to help people. In, in my world. Well, thank you so much for setting an example. And man, I'm telling you, this has been an incredible conversation. Kyle Wilson, I just really want to thank <laughs> you again for being on the show, for being on Elevate, for being willing to share your gifts, right? Your your gifts, not only as an expert in marketing, but also in being principled, right? And being willing to grow, being willing to listen, not only to yourself, but to other people around you and giving them the gift of not only sorting out their own thoughts, but helping them get to the next level. And man, and so much more. This has been an outstanding conversation, Kyle. Do you have any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today? Well, first of all, thank you, Tyler. Uh, really appreciate that. Uh, I think, you know, as Jim Rohn would say, just uh, be a student, not a follower, and get around other people that inspire you. That's a big one. Again, get more clear on your own thoughts. I think we're always trying to copy someone else. And the more we can know ourselves and get around people that inspire us, that's powerful. Absolutely. Kyle Wilson, everybody, my goodness. And we're going to talk about success habits of super achievers because we actually have a free ebook, literally a free download of this book available. So Kyle, where can the listeners find that and how can they access that? Yeah. So I'm really proud of this, Tyler. Thanks for letting me give it away. Uh, it's, it's a book. I had the intention to do it for a long, long time. I've been doing some books where we have celebrity authorities, but when I started my podcast by the same title, I really wanted Darren Hardy and Brian Tracy and John Asraf and Mark Victor Hansen and uh, Dennis Waitley and Phil Collin and all these people I've collaborated with for so long, Robert Helms, uh, Todd Sotomayor, and there's women in it too, Lisa Haysha, <laughs> uh, Amy Novotny. We, I had have like 25 celebrity authorities in it. And every time I would ask them before the interview, is there anything we can't talk about? Is there anything off limits? And they said, no. And, uh, and some of them are pretty, so, so I, I think it's a very honest, the, the, the stories in each of them are very honest and the motivations to help people and the feedback I've gotten on it's incredible. It's uh, 80 different entrepreneurs you know, we hit number one in 30 categories and all that good stuff, but I love to give away the digital copy of it. And when I send it to people, I also include all these books like Passionistas, a book I did with 40 Gen X and uh, millennial women that again, were very honest, open, telling their stories. And I just get great feedback. So if anyone wants the free digital copy, just send an email to info at kylewilson.com or they can send it to kyle at kylewilson.com. I had to think about that. But yeah, kyle at kylewilson.com. If you're you mentioned Tyler in the subject, just say send book, Tyler's podcast. And if you're a Jim Rohn fan, tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself. If you're a big fan of Tyler's show, tell me about that. I'll forward it to him. And I'll send them a link to go get all that stuff, plus some interviews with Darren Hardy and all the people I mentioned, Brian Tracy. Yeah, that's awesome. And big shout out to John Azraf and Robert Helms, former Elevate guests themselves. And obviously awesome. now Kyle Wilson is in the Hall of Fame of Elevate Nation. <laughs> and so, man, you definitely want to go check that book out. I actually own a copy myself. It's an amazing, amazing book, an amazing collaboration. So definitely go send an email to Kyle at KyleWilson.com. Of course, also go check out Kyle at 
at kylewilson.com literally to learn more about him. And of course you can find him on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, man, we'll put links in the show notes everywhere Thank that you. you can find Kyle, but Kyle, is there anywhere else where the listeners can find you? No, I think that if you put them in the show notes, yeah, I'll just click away. I love Instagram. That's one of my favorite platforms. And so, uh, that's where I'll do my fun stuff, you know, and stories and things like that. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, uh, Kyle, man, thank you again for being here. Really, really appreciate you. I look forward to round two of our conversation at some point in the near future. But until next time, Kyle, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, my honor, Tyler. This was great. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Wow. Elevate Nation. Oh, man. Kyle Wilson just brought the heat. All I can say is, man, I'm like, that was that was so much value as far as marketing goes. My goodness. I mean, that, that, that episode is worth millions and millions of dollars. Of course, beyond that, it's not just about money. There's so much value in this episode. I just want to encourage you to re-listen to the show. I want to encourage you to identify what are the top three takeaways that you found from today's discussion with Kyle Wilson, Jim Rohn's 18-year business partner, and so much more. Such an aficionado in so many different directions. But man, I just want to encourage you to apply. I want to encourage you to share with someone else. I want to encourage you to pay this forward. Share this with a friend. Share this with someone that you care about. Someone that you maybe just met. Maybe it's a business partner. Maybe it's someone that you want to do business with. Maybe it's someone that you met recently at a networking event. Pay it forward and send this episode to them. Because at the end of the day, giving is better than receiving. And that's what it's all about. But at the end of the day, I want to encourage you, most importantly, to take massive action on what you learned today. Until next time, Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.